0: The Irish Times Inside Business Podcast, in association with EY, building a better working world.
1: Hello and welcome to Inside Business with Ciarán Hancock, a podcast from The Irish Times. This week, I'm looking at the health insurance market. On Monday, state-owned VHI took the market by surprise by announcing rebates to customers and a price cut in premiums that will take effect in May. This is driven by a reduction in claims as the pandemic continues to put a squeeze on hospital services. So what will VHI's rivals do? Is it still worth having health insurance if so many elective procedures are unavailable due to the impact of COVID? And if you are considering taking out health insurance or you have a renewal due, what are the best plans to consider? Dermagood at TotalHealthCover.ie is an expert on this sector and I began by asking him why VHI was offering rebates and reducing the price of its premiums.
0: Yeah, so so Kieran, what's happening here is people will recall at the start of COVID um, a couple of years ago, uh, when claims started reducing because people obviously weren't going into hospital and, and treatments were being cancelled. VHI gave an undertaking at the time that if there were any savings accruing to them as a result of reduced claims, that they would refund them back to members. Okay, that they wouldn't profit from this. So. They gave some money back uh, in July 2020. There was another small rebate in January of last year. And now they've announced a third one, uh, which I have to say, there were rumors circulating that they were going to do this. But the quantum has taken us by surprise. So it is quite significant. So most people on the mid-level plans upwards will get €150 euro per adult. Um, and then people on slightly higher plans, 225 per adult. And those on the older plans, like the old Help plus extra, which is the old plan B options, those members stand to get up to €300 Euro per adult. And there's, there's allowances then for, for children as well. So all active VHI members on the 1st of May can expect to receive those what we would call claims rebates sometime during May. So, yes, good news for good news for all their members, um, you know, because, as I say, the quantum is quite substantial. And in addition to that, they've also announced that they're going to put uh, a small decrease across most of their plans. Now we haven't had a chance to analyse exactly which plans, but they are saying that's an average of three percent. And for most families, two adults, two children, that could give them a further ninety euro over the years. So, um, good news. I mean, we don't you don't often hear me talking about reductions and money back, but um, yeah, this is welcome news. You know that will come to all members. And and look, health insurance has been increasing gradually. Every year by an average 5 6%, some plans even more. So, this will help to offset those increases. So, good news for everybody.
1: And, Dermot, for somebody who's getting the 300 euro rebate, what would they have paid in a premium typically?
0: Yeah, well, see, those, for example, a mid level plan um, is going to cost people about 1,400 per adult, maybe about 300 per child. Um, And those people will get back, let's just say, um, about 150 per adult. The higher-level plans, which are 1,800 maybe to 2,000 euro, those people will get 2,25 per adult. And then the old Plan B, Plan B excesses, those plans are 2,200 to 2,700 per adult. So for a lot of people, this rebate is roughly 10 to 13%, you know, the premium. So it is quite substantial. And, uh, you know, like, I mean, it it was welcome news when all the insurance companies did it once. I mean, we were surprised when VHI did it a second time. And now they've announced a third one. I think, though, what we need to, I suppose, bear in mind is that this is because people aren't claiming. OK, and and that's because of the pressures in the public system. I mean, look, as we all know, there's roughly 2000 public hospital beds are taken up with COVID patients. That means people with health insurance who are due to go in, their, their, their routine elective surgeries are being cancelled, um, you know, and they now have to wait. And so these claims will happen down the line. But to be fair to the insurance companies, they they did say that if there were savings um, and I think VHI has indicated that they expect this trend to continue for the next six to 12 months, that they're not going to see the spike in claims maybe till next year until COVID is behind us. And I think we all thought it would be behind us sooner than this, but it's still with us, you know. So, look, they are giving money back and I think, you know, we, we take it when we get it.
1: Sure, now that's H I. What about Leia Healthcare and Irish Life Health? We had a story uh, just published today about Leia Healthcare saying that they're going to make further support payments uh, to customers and they'll be communicating that in the coming weeks. I'm not sure precisely what that means. Perhaps uh, you have a better sense of it.
0: Yeah, so I can tell you. So what's happening is, to be fair to the other insurance companies, they all gave money back um, with the first round of rebates. Um now, so the others haven't followed suit with with more rebates as VHI have done, but what they have done is they basically they've pretty much smoothed out or levelled out their increases. And in fact, we've seen very little increase. Normally, we see big increases in the first of January. That didn't happen this year. Irish Life Health are passing on a small reduction in the health insurance levy, so all their members will be getting that reduction from the first of April onwards. And in fact. Our analysis shows that a lot of Irish Life Health members will probably pay the same premium for the coming year as they're currently paying. Right? Um, Leia announced a small increase or small decrease, rather, of roughly between three and five percent on five of their plans from the first of April. So that's coming in anyway, but it's only on five of their plans. Now we've had, let's just say, we've spoken briefly with Leia. We do understand that they are currently reviewing their position to see if they can do something further under the, I suppose, the heading of member supports. But there's nothing specific on that whatsoever. I'm sure, like, you know, they will be looking to see exactly what VHI is doing and what that means for them and their members and their competitive positioning and so forth. I suppose I have to say, to be fair to the health insurance companies, and whilst I'm not a spokesperson for them, but they have all responded positively, let's just say, to these kind of market trends. So I'm sure they're not going to, let's just say, they're not going to profiteer from this and maybe there might be more good news for all health insurance members. The one thing, though, Kieran, I would say which is positive is that whenever we see this kind of, let's just say, trend where there's rebates or maybe um, a holding position on increases, it just means for the rest of the year, we can probably say to most members there will be no further increases in your premium or if there are, they will be minimal. You know, to be fair to Leia, they've also increased their offering for families. So families with kids under regime. They now have about seven plans where you can get the second and subsequent child for free. And that's in from the 1st of April. So, look, we, we do have good competition in the market. We don't know definitively what other responses we may get from Irish Life Health and from Leia, given what VHI have just announced. But look, and we, we are seeing the benefits of this competition. And for VHI members right now, they're going to get a windfall in May that wasn't expected.
1: Yeah, I mean, health insurance is expensive in this country, uh, Dermot, is isn't, so perhaps a welcome break for uh, consumers, for policyholders. I'm just wondering what impact the pandemic has had on the health insurance market over the past couple of years. We saw post the crash in 2008 that, uh, you know, a lot of people let their policies lapse, couldn't afford them, I guess, um, because they were laid off or, or whatever the case might have been. What about the pandemic? What impact has that had on the number of people
0: holding health insurance policies? Yeah, so we've seen a few things. I mean, people will recall at the start of the pandemic, the HSE effectively took over the private hospitals for three months, um, and that you know, look, they 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 did what they had to do at the time. It it probably didn't work, and now we understand they have an understanding with the private hospitals that they've access to capacity there if needs be. So that definitely seems to be working much better. I mean, the interesting thing is that. We've seen an increase in the numbers of people insured uh, with private health insurance. So we, we're at the highest point now than we've ever been. So the highest point previously was 2.3 million in 2008. We're now 2.365 million. Now, there's a couple of things driving that. Um, a lot of employers are under pressure to pay extra benefits to retain and attract the right kind of talent and staff. They're all paying health care now. But we're also seeing, people are seeing, let's just say, the pressures that are in the public system. And I think now there's an even greater realisation that if you want access to quick treatments, particularly for routine elective surgeries, you really have to have private health cover or have to have a lot of disposable income. So that's driving a lot of people going to health insurance. People are now seeing, I suppose, a levelling out of the premiums. So they're not seeing 10 to 15% increases. So for people who are worried about the maybe ongoing affordability, I think there's greater confidence there. We've also seen, though, on thousands of people returning home from abroad. And they all had quality health cover abroad. They're all joining straight away. And by the way, a word of warning on this. Anybody who's home or who's planning to return to Ireland, if you want to avoid age loadings, you must take out cover within nine months of returning home. So just to just to make sure you don't miss that window because you could get hit for age loadings that could be completely avoidable.
1: Yeah, Dermot, just explain uh, explain to listeners what age loadings are.
0: Yeah, so the legislation was changed back in 2015 that basically said that if you're over 34 joining as a new member with no previous cover, you have to pay an extra 2% for each year over 34. Basically, it was to, I suppose, it was to reward people who joined earlier, Um, a bit like pensions and so forth, that you couldn't join at 55 and get the same entitlements as somebody who joined maybe when they were 35. But there's a couple of exemptions in there. And one is that if you return to Ireland and you take out cover within nine months of returning here, then you can possibly avoid those loadings. But a lot of people, though, Kieran, are not aware of this. And, you know, they're busy getting housing, getting kids in school, getting employment, and then when all that's sorted, then they sort out their healthcare, and then they're shocked to realise they've missed that window. So it's just important that people are aware of that. But, look, the market is, is very buoyant right now. The insurance companies, I suppose, have never had as many new members, um, which is good. And, look, the more members that join and the more, I suppose, the younger members join – that levels out the upward pressure on claims as well. So, look, the market has probably never been in, in, in a better position. But at the same time, you know, we need to, a lot of people out there who can't afford private health insurance or maybe who are priced out of this, the challenge for them is the public system, which they need to rely on, is 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 not really working right now because of the pressure, you know, caused by COVID. Like Because roughly, as I say, 2,000 beds are taken up with COVID patients and, and we're all well aware of the staffing pressures because of COVID. So, it's not an ideal situation. I mean, We want COVID to be gone. We want the public systems to be back working properly. So all those 800,000, 900,000 people on waiting lists um, that they, let's just say, have access to, to quality health care. I would say just as an aside here, and a lot of people don't realise this, but if you don't have health insurance and you can't afford health insurance for whatever reason, or you don't believe in private health insurance, A lot of people aren't aware that there are these cash plans out there, like, you know, there's cash plans available from the likes of HSF Health Plan. And these cash plans, they're not health insurance, but they are brilliant for covering all your out-of-pocket day-to-day expenses. Dental, optical, GP, physio, consultants, anybody can join them. And they are much, much, I suppose, cheaper than health insurance. So a lot of people who are maybe waiting to see a consultant on the public system, you know, if you had a cash plan, you can go to the consultant and in many cases get the full refund of those expenses. So, you know, they're not a substitute for health insurance, but they are definitely worth looking at. And how much do they cost, Dermot? Well, I, I typically now, so for example, a very good um, plan for a single person, there's a plan called One Scheme 3, which is about 570 for the year. But there's also a plan called the, and I'm sorry about the names, it's called the FCA, the Family Corporate A Scheme. That plan is about 750 for a family, but that's the family, that's mom and dad, you know, and all kids up to age 21, um, and they all can benefit. So, look, they're not a substitute for health insurance, but if you're worried about the high cost of outpatient expenses, particularly dental and optical. By the way, those cash plans cover orthodontics, crowns, root canal dentures. There's no cover on health insurance for those expenses. So, look, you know, it's just definitely worth looking at. A lot of people that I would speak to don't even know that those plans exist. right? And by the way, there's also dental plans. I mean, you know, we could be here all day talking about all the other plans, but there's dental plans from VHI and a company called Dcare Dental. So if you're having a lot of dental expenses or you know you're going to have a lot of dental expenses, a lot of people don't even realize there are plans there that will cover just those costs and once again they are much much cheaper than than full private health insurance so once again we're checking out
1: and Dermot, as long as covid is around and it looks like it's going to be with us for some time to come is it worth having a full private uh, health insurance policy uh, given the costs involved and given the fact that as you mentioned earlier so many elective procedures have been cancelled
0: yeah do you know Karen? i have to say uh, and people would say well he would say this of course but i would say right now Definitely, now is the time to be looking at private health insurance cover for for a number of reasons. First of all, the rates have probably been never more competitive. There are plans there to suit every budget. I mean, people give out about the number of plans, but there are plans literally there for everybody's requirements. Um, bear in mind that the public system, even before COVID, the public system was under serious pressure. I mean, COVID has just exacerbated that. But look, if, if you want to make sure you can get treatment quickly, particularly for the routine stuff. And by the way, people think routine stuff is cheap. Like, for example, if I go into a public hospital with no health insurance, they're going to charge me eighty euro per night, and that's for children and adults up to eight hundred euro every year. Um, you know, so people think it's free. It's not free. A, a day case procedure like a colonoscopy, a gastroscopy in a private hospital, they can cost anything from seven fifty to fifteen hundred euro. You know, most admissions now you can allow a thousand euro per night. So a lot of people will say to us, "Well, look, if I have to dip into my, let's just say, my reserves, I will." But can I just tell you, those reserves could be wiped out even for routine treatment. So, look, if it's affordable and if you want to, I suppose, make sure that you won't be stuck on a waiting list and that you can decide which hospital, which consultant, when you get your treatment and so forth, you do need health insurance, you know. And the private system has continued to work really, really well, you know, whilst the public system was dealing with COVID. So I I would encourage people that, look, there probably never has been a better time to join. And look, the other thing too, Karen, that we can't ignore is that, There are close to a million people on waiting lists and roughly 10% of them are children and people at this, you know, there's a myth there that kids get free treatment. They don't. They have to pay the 80 euro per night. And there's also a myth that they get, you know, fast tracked. They don't like 10% of all those on the waiting lists are children, you know, so it's just to keep that in mind but look a lot of people would love to join and it's just not affordable right now which which is you know which is obviously is is a pity the other thing too i would say a lot of employers are now paying healthcare um you know and it's something worth checking out like to see if your employer has a scheme in place maybe they get a discount or maybe they will contribute towards the cost but yeah i look i'd love to say the public system is improving i mean covid has meant that all the plans that they had under slaughter care and so forth, a lot of those plans roughly are on hold right now as they, you know, every time they think they're coming out of COVID, there's a resurgence and they just have to, they're right back where they started. So that pressure looks like it's going to be there for the next 12 months at least. At EY, our purpose is to build a better working world. As one of Ireland's leading professional services firms, our exceptional people are at the centre of everything we do. We deploy technology at speed and innovation at scale to deliver exceptional solutions for our clients, enabling them to transform and grow. To find out more, visit ey.com.
1: You mentioned children there. I mean, there is no private hospital for children, is there uh, at the minute? So if if a child's on a waiting list and you have
0: private health insurance, does that put them at the top of the queue? Do they get uh, better access like adults would? Yeah, Karen. here's the way it works for children. So you're absolutely right. Health insurance for children is not about accommodation, like private, semi-private. For children, it's it's really about access. So if you don't have health insurance and your child, you know, appendicitis and they're in Tala Hospital for for two weeks, that's €800 as a public patient. If you have health insurance, you can get health insurance now for €150 that fully covers that. Or you might be able to get a free cover offer, depending on the number of children that you have. The real thing, though, imagine a child has tonsillitis, needs a tonsillectomy. They could wait six to eight months to get that on the public system. And whether we like it or not, if you have private health insurance, often you can go to see the same consultant privately um, and they treat you as a private patient and they charge you accordingly. But your health insurance covers that and you might be able to get that in three to four weeks. So for us, insuring children is about access. Now, what I would say to anybody who thinks maybe that they don't need to insure their children, just be aware If you end up in a public hospital with a child, you will be charged 80 euro per night unless you have a medical card, number one. Number two, they will go on waiting lists for elective treatment for routine MRIs, routine colonoscopies or gastroscopies, just like adults. But the other thing, though, Kieran, is if you put your child on maybe when they're 10 or 12 and they have an existing condition, that won't be covered for five years. Whereas if you put them on from date of birth, then they're covered immediately for anything. So look, it is a personal choice and a lot of people, they just have to cut their cloth and maybe they can't afford to put the children on. But bear in mind, you can split your cover. So you might have the adults on a higher plan, but you can put the children on a very basic plan. Um, so everybody can be on the one policy, but all on different plans to suit their needs. So once again, you know, a lot of people are overspending on their cover unnecessarily because they're just not matching the cover to the profile of the member as such.
1: Yeah, how do you choose the right cover, Darren? Because there is a huge number of plans out there. I mean, it's very complex for people to try and understand uh, and try and compare various plans and whether it gives them value for money and whether it, it actually meets their, their needs, um, depending on what age group they are, whether they're you know their gender and, and all of that, and where they live in the country as well, I, I guess, and the access they might have to services.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's two things we'd always say. So one thing, we're always looking at people's budget and we're looking at their age profile. So we would always say to anybody who's thinking of joining, you know, before you phone any insurance company or you speak to an advisor, just decide how much you're going to spend on this. And then you see, if you phone up, one of the good things with health insurance is that unlike car insurance, where if you tell them you have 900 to spend, they'll charge you 900. Whereas maybe if you haggled, you might get it for 750. There's none of that with health insurance. So the plan cost is the same for everybody. So if you phone up, you know, VHI, Layer, or Irish Life Health, and you tell them you have 900 euro to spend, Excuse me, then they will tell you what plans they have that are in that price range. And just to, just to help your, your listeners here now, Kieran, an entry level plan is roughly 500 euro, but they will only cover public hospitals. Um, bear in mind the cash plans, which will give you money back on all your routine expenses, are around 500, as is a comprehensive dental plan. If you want to be covered for a public and a private hospital, you need to budget for around 900 to 950 for an adult, about 200 250 for a child. That's now proper health insurance because that covers public and private hospitals. And then if you want one of these corporate plans, now don't worry about the terminology, anybody can join these plans. These are the best plans on the market because they give you money back on all your routine expenses. So plans like the Inspire from Leia Healthcare, the PMI 5210 from VHI or the Health Guide 1 from Irish Live Health. Three excellent semi-private corporate plans and you get 50% back on all your routine expenses. But they cost roughly 1200 to 1250 per adult. So we would always say to people, decide on your budget. Now, obviously, the age factor. You know, if you're under 35, in good health, well, you know, and obviously, let's just say, funds might be, you know, mightn't be, you mightn't have huge disposable income. So we might be starting you off maybe on an entry level or mid-level. But once you get into your 40s, we look for things like full cardiac cover, low excesses, cover for all the private hospitals. and you want to get money back on your routine expenses. You see what people often forget, like here. And if I develop a stomach problem, before I go into hospital, I got to see a couple of consultants. I might have to get a few scans done, get bloods done, back to the consultant again, you know. And then I'll be brought into hospital. But in the meantime, I probably paid out six, seven hundred euro. If you're on a mid-level or an entry-level plan, you'll get nothing back. But if you're on a corporate plan, fifty percent back, you know. So. A good advisor, whether you're talking to an, a, I suppose, a broker or a health insurance company, they will discuss your requirements, your budget, your existing medical history, where you live, you know, what your specific requirements are, what you're worried about, and you know, your tolerance for excesses, and then they should recommend a plan that suits. The only thing is, though, sometimes I see people, I won't say being rushed off the phone, but the insurance company will recommend a plan and recommend you put all the family on that plan. But a good advisor will discuss, you know. Um, let's just say the caller and their spouse or their partner and their kids because once again you can put everybody on different plans to suit their needs and that's really what you should be doing to make sure you're not overspending but the best way i suppose the best single advice i can give to anybody or a piece of advice is what is your budget how much can you afford to spend because otherwise they'll tr- you know they'll try and put you on higher cost plans and so forth that you mightn't even need
1: and presumably there are so many plans they want to bamboozle people that's why we have so many plans in the system
0: yeah, and look, at you know, this is always an issue for consumers because there are so many plans. Now, one of the reasons why there's, there's a lot of plans is because the legislation is very tight in this regard. If an insurance company wants to tweak one single benefit on a plan, that means they have to launch a new plan, okay? So we see new plans being launched and we see older plans being retired. Like VHI just retired 25 plans, but they I think they, let's just say, released about 15 or 16 new plans. So do you know what? It's one of these things, Karen. you kind of have to look at this each year. It's like your car insurance. Okay, so just think of it like this, like car insurance and home insurance. If you don't pick up the phone and engage with the insurance company and all you have to do is ask them, look, have you launched a lower cost equivalent plan to what I currently have? Yes or no. Okay, very simple. And if they have, they have to tell you. You see, and if you don't do that each year, the goalposts will move slightly each year. And if five or six years later, you know, you haven't reviewed your cover, you're way off the mark and you might have good cover, but you're way overpaying. And we see people now and people are getting much more accustomed to doing this each year. And if you ask the right questions and if you phone the three insurance companies, look, there's a little bit of work involved. But if you can save 500 to 1,000 euro per adult, it's absolutely worth it. And just a a few things, even on that, Kieran, anybody who's on the same plan for five years or more, Anybody who's on the older plans at like the old plan B options or with VHI or the Essential Plus schemes with Leia or the Level Two hospital schemes with Irish Life, those members could potentially save a thousand euro per adult and they don't even necessarily have to change insurance company. And sometimes the crazy thing is you can actually get better cover for less money. And and I would call like one of the positive trends we've seen a lot of young people now are doing the reviews for their mums and dads. So they're literally going home, sitting down with them and doing the review over the phone. And obviously they know the requirements and they're saving them a small fortune. But if mum and dad were doing it by themselves, they they would get too frightened and they would just stay on the same plan, you know. So it is definitely worthwhile shopping around each year.
1: Now, Dermers, uh, the government has this ambitious slauncher Care Plan, which has been in the pipeline for a few years. It's a a 10-year program to transform the health and social care services. And it's supposed to provide uh, fair access to to health care. What impact would it have on the private health care system?
0: Yeah, and I, and I, Karen I, and I'll try not to be negative on this because look, I've been around a long time, and we've seen lots of plans like universal healthcare and so forth. Look, we do have a big issue regarding the two tier system. Um, whether we like it or not, that system is here to stay for a long, long time. And look, you know, one thing I've I've been consistent in saying is that we can talk about you know leveling the two tiers and and all the aspirations. And look, you have to plan, but until we get rid of the waiting lists a lot of the aspirations in the Slaughter Care Report just cannot happen, okay? So there's no point saying to people, we're going to take away private health care and have one system for everybody when that single system is not fit for purpose right now. So when you have nearly a million people, and even before COVID, by the way, we had 650,000 people on public hospital waiting lists. So if you get rid of the waiting lists, then you can have a proper, let's just say, constructive dialogue with all the stakeholders about how we transition to a single tier system and you will get buy-in from the public and everybody on that. But until we have that right now, the only way for most consumers, and that's why oh well, nearly fifty percent of the population have private cover, not because by the way, they think it's you know it's worthwhile, it's because they don't trust the public system in terms of quick access. So we need to sort out those waiting lists and then we can move um, to us, I suppose a potential single tier system. But look, we looked at universal health insurance about five years ago, and when they costed it, it was just decided that just this is just unaffordable. So I don't see any fundamental changes to the current system for the foreseeable future, Kieran. Um, I would love to think there will be something, but I just don't see see it happening anytime soon. One of the proposals, by the way, in Slaughter Care was that the public system would would not be, in other words, you couldn't use private cover. Private patients would not get preferential treatment in the public system, which definitely, you know, has its merits. But bear in mind, even that, like a lot of the paediatrics is in the public system, all the maternity is in the public system. So even that, you know, is problematic. So look, it, it could take five to 10 years to transition to any new system. And unfortunately for to Care, despite the best efforts and all the planning of those involved in it, COVID has pretty much put all of those plans on hold. Um, so, you know, like we're, I don't know what number of years we are into slaunter care, but, you know, we have we, we really had a huge setback now because of COVID. So really, for the moment, I have to say, I don't see any, you know, immediate changes to what we currently have. And we won't see any changes until we get rid of those waiting lists. And by the way, Kieran, just to put that into context, like if we have 900,000 people on waiting lists, if we reduce that by 90,000 a year, it still takes 10 years to get to a proper starting point. I just don't see that happening, I'm afraid.
1: Dermot, what's your advice to young people who uh, maybe are starting out in their first employments and um, they're, they're being counseled to get health insurance and they're thinking, ah, it's not worth it, come on, it's a lot of money, um, I'm free, I'm single, I'm in good health, I want to spend it partying or uh, travelling or whatever it might be. Uh, wh- what would you say to persuade them to uh, take out uh, health insurance or should they, you know, should young healthy people just just keep the money in their pockets?
0: Yeah, and look, this is a difficult one. I mean, look, what I'd say to anybody who's under 25, so mum and dad might be kicking them off the policy when they're 18, you will get discounts as a young adult. So like an 18-year-old, VHI a brilliant corporate plan, company plan plus level 1.3. It's 1,300 for an adult, but if you're aged 18 to 20, it's 442 euro. And you get 50% back on all your outpatient expenses. I suppose what I would say to young people is that just think of two things. First of all, if you've no insurance and you end up in a public hospital for a sports injury or an accident or whatever, you have to pay that €80 euro per night for nothing, as in you don't get any preferential treatment. So you're on the hook already. Everybody's on the hook for €800 euro unless you have a medical card. And my rationale is we'll look, add a little bit to that, and now you get a mid-level plan that covers you in public and private hospitals. So VHI have a plan called the Enhanced Care 250, which is 1024 Irish Life have the Benefit Access 300, which is 907, and Leia have the Signify plan, which is 961. So those plans cover you in every public and private hospitals. Now, for young people, I tell you where a lot of young people get caught out here on sports injuries. So you get injured playing, you know, at the weekend or in a hurling match or whatever, soccer, and you do your it in. And now, you see, most people want to get covered straight away. So they want to go to you know, uh, Gary O'Toole will say in the Beacon or or let's just say uh, Ray Morn in the sports clinic or there's a great, great orthopaedic practice in the hermitage clinic. So they want to go to these people to get fixed straight away. Unless you have private health insurance, you can't do that unless your club is going to pay for you. If you have a sports injury, you know, a minor orthopaedic injury, you could be months waiting to get it done on the public system because they have to basically triage and give priority, you know, to people with maybe more life-threatening injuries. So, you know, just think of it like that. And really what I always say to people, think of what happens if I get an injury, you know, or if I get sick. Which hospital do I want to go to? You know, can I afford to pay a very high excess? Because it's going to happen at some stage, okay? And we've all met people who, you know, never been to a GP and now they're diagnosed with something or there's something sinister going on and it takes months to diagnose, you know. So you do not want to be on a waiting list to try and find out exactly what's going on. So look, but everybody has a different attitude to risk. And everybody, you know, depending if your parents were always using the public system, you might be very happy using the public system or if you live next door to Beaumont or whatever that might be you know perfect for you but I'd even suggest even if you don't believe in private health insurance right now check out those cash plans or those dental plans No, because even for your everyday expenses you can get like for example 500 euro buys you a basic entry-level health insurance 500 euro buys you the top dental plan or the top let's just say cash plan So, you know, you might decide and bear in mind the threshold for avoiding the age loadings is 35. So a lot of young people don't join until maybe they hit that. But look at those other plans in the meantime, you know. But just I suppose maybe just the final point on that one, Kieran, is that you have to think of it like this. If you have a sports injury today and you take out health insurance tomorrow, you're joining with an existing condition that's not covered for five years. If I joined health insurance today and I have an injury later on tonight, that's an accident. Accidents are covered straight away. Worst case scenario, wait six months, you know, and really the time to take out like any insurance is when you're healthy and there's nothing wrong with you because it kicks in straight away. You don't want to be paying health insurance for five years when you can't use it. And obviously
1: we've had COVID now with us for a couple of years, uh, Dermot, and a lot of people are suffering from what's called long COVID and they've got all sorts of uh, conditions out of that. I'm just wondering, are they covered by the private health insurance uh, policies?
0: Yeah. And look, you know, and yes, a lot of people, you know, are still recovering, let's just say, from from symptoms of COVID. So, first of all, any treatment you get in the public system as a result of COVID, there is no charge. Okay, so there's no differentiation. But yes, if if look, if I have a corporate plan and I want to go to see a a respiratory consultant or have an orthopedic issue or there's something else and I'm trying to get, let's just say, to the bottom of it, get it diagnosed and sorted. Well, if I have one of those corporate plans, I can get 50 percent back on all of those expenses. You know, so look, you know, like I was hospitalized in January with something, but I probably spent about a thousand euro in the three to four months before the actual admission going to various consultants and getting various diagnostics. I got 50 to 75 percent back on all of those costs. Now, I'd rather I didn't have to spend it, but like that's where the health insurance does kick in, you know, because, look, most consultants are 200 to 300 euro for the first consultation. You know, an ultrasound, basic x-rays or 100, 200 euro, a basic MRI, which is fully covered on most plans, is between €200 and €500. Euro. So you'd be surprised how quickly you can, you know, you can rack up a bill of €1,000 for something very, very small.
1: OK, now the price is coming down at the minute. Uh, Dermot, what's the long-term outlook in your view? Because we're hearing a lot about an ageing population and all the ailments we're going to have in the, in the years ahead. So uh, are we looking at price increases, uh, sleep price increases uh, as we go forward?
0: Yeah, do you know, Kieran? and I'm going to be very optimistic at the moment, right, um, which is not is, you know, unusual for Dermot Good and health insurance. But look, no, the rates are very level at the moment. We're we're basically telling people worst case scenario, budget for 5%, you know, which is very good. But now because of competition and obviously what VHI have done and there might be a response from the others, we're pretty much telling most people we're talking to right now, their increases are 2 to 3%. Right now. And I think the outlook for the rest of the year is, let's just say, moderate to maybe zero increases. And look, as long as the membership keeps increasing, um, you know, that's what the so if the insurance companies have a wider or bigger book over which to spread claims. And uh, then that the outlook for all of us for costs, you know, medical inflation is, is good. The only thing is, look, there could be shocks to the system. You know, for example, if a player pulled out of the market, which is unlikely Or if the government increased the cost of health insurance levies or increased the cost of public hospital charges. But for the moment, the outlook is positive. So, you know, the days I remember not too long ago where we were telling people 10 to 15% each year, looks like those days are behind us for the moment.
1: Okay, well, let's finish on a positive note. Uh, Dermot Good of TotalHealthCover.ie, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Kieran. Okay, that's it for this week from Inside Business. My thanks to Dermot Good for joining me on the show. The programme was produced by Suzanne Brennan. Thanks also to our sponsor EY for its continued support. Remember, you can get the latest business news straight into your inbox by signing up to our Business Today email at irishtimes.com. And you can also follow the Irish Times business feed on Twitter, LinkedIn and Facebook each day. I'm Kieran Hancock. Until next time, take care.